You're listening to Damn It, Jim, the podcast. This is the second part of Where No Man Has Gone Before. Joining me, Dan Calzaretta. I'm Dana Smith. Hey, Dana. This is great that we've got our first two-part episode, and we're only three episodes into our season. I'm sure some people are shuddering at the thought that we're going to get longer and longer (laughs) with each one. uh, (laughs) So back at the jail cell, there's uh, Spock and Denner. Denner is watching Mitchell like he's a pork chop and she hasn't eaten in two weeks. uh, (laughs) Ah, yeah, that's right, man. (laughs) She, I mean, she has just got this look on her face. I am going to devour that as soon as everybody's gone. And uh, Kirk says... We're getting everybody off the planet. Denner, between drooling at uh, Mitchell, says uh, she wants to stay behind. Of course, uh, Kirk's like, no, you can't. You've got to come with us. We're going to leave him here. After she says she's staying behind, Kelso is talking to Scotty and saying that everything's rigged. He's got everything set to go. And all of a sudden, this cable comes up that's being <laughs> controlled by Mitchell, we can, we can guess, and it strangles him. Yeah, uh, like that dude kind of is not going to be in any future <laughs> episodes. Uh, yeah, so he gets killed. Uh, so add another one to the uh, dead crewman list. Yep, we'll and... get to that. We'll we'll get to the <laughs> the whole count by the end of the episode here. And then uh, Mitchell breaks through the uh, force field and knocks out uh, Kirk and Spock. And then he talks to Denner. And something about, you know, how great it is to feel this way and all this stuff. And he brings her into his cell and they look into the one mirror that's in there because it's only made for one person, remember? And uh, she has silver eyes now. This godlike character has found his mate. And who knows what else goes on in that cell? Dr. Piper tells uh, Kirk that Kelso is dead and that Denner and Mitchell have fled. Kirk tells the doctor not to wake up Spock, to get everyone off the planet. It's his fault that Mitchell got away as he did. If you don't receive word from me, proceed at maximum warp to the nearest Earth base. When you come back to the planet, the planet should be hit with a lethal dose of neutron radiation. So then we, uh, we go out to the desert. Uh, Mitchell and Denner are walking along. Mitchell basically turns the wasteland into a garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can kind of see he's like, thrilled with himself that he can do this. We see Kirk's approaching with the phaser rifle. Uh, And can I say that this is the only episode of Star Trek, all three seasons, where the phaser rifle makes an appearance. There is no other phaser rifle appearance in any episode of Star Trek. Yeah, I read that. I was was dubious about that. Uh, I was uh, trying to rack my brains and think if there was another scene. But I think you're right. I think uh, think that's true. In... The cage, there is a phaser cannon, but that was, again, before this episode happened. Mitchell and Denner sense Kirk's approaching. Mitchell's voice is now stronger and echoes all the time. And he sends Denner out to meet Kirk and says, go and see how how insignificant insignificant they are. She goes out and, and tries to tell, basically tell Kirk to leave. Of course, Kirk argues with her and he tries to convince Denner to help him. 
be a psychiatrist for just a moment longer to see what Mitchell has really become. And so then, uh, of course, Mitchell couldn't stay out of it. He shows up. Kurt does a uh, dive and roll with the phaser rifle and fires at Mitchell with no effect. It just kind of bounces off of him. Right. And then Mitchell like does some kind of psychic thing and makes the laser rifle fly away. And I watched that a couple of times. You can see the wires attached to the laser rifle. Yeah. You know, the special effects were not like they are now. And then Mitchell says, uh, I've been contemplating the death of an old friend. Points at the ground and there's a hole there like a uh, a grave. And then a moment later, he creates a tombstone. And the tombstone reads, and this is a trivia question, James R. Kirk. Yep. And, uh, and further, it reads 0127712181817. So I, I imagine those are star dates. So why is that significant, Dana, the James R. Kirk? Well, because later on, he's referred to as James T. Kirk, and we find out later it's uh, the T stands for Tiberius. Yeah, in fact, I was I was doing some research into that. What I found was that the first time that we learn that the T stands for Tiberius is in the animated series, which came out. Oh, wow. Or, yeah, which came after Star Trek, the original series. But the first time we hear it in a live version of the uh, show is in Star Trek VI. So it takes quite a while. Oh, wow. I was not aware of that. Every time I, I tune into this show, I learn something. So <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> Mitchell kind of tries to get some of the rocks to tumble onto Kirk. And he then he forces Kirk into a prayer position and says, kneel to your God. Time to pray, Captain. Pray to me. Kirk makes a comment. We discussed this last week with Charlie X about absolute power corrupting absolutely. I think it's something we'll see in several of the episodes. Denner all of a sudden sees what's going on. Uh, Kirk makes a reference about pretty soon there will only be one of you. Denner comes to her senses somewhat, and so she zaps Mitchell, and then they kind of go back and forth using their pointing their hands at each other and zapping one another. I thought that was yeah. really funny though, that kind of the pointing the hands and the wiggling of the fingers. And yeah, yeah. this was a little, <laughs> a little ridiculous. Mitchell falls and Denner says, you know, now's your chance. Act fast. This won't last for long. And so Kirk goes after him and here's the uh, obligatory fight scene. Yeah. A lot of punches, uh, some tackling. Kirk jumps up and kicks him a couple times, you know. And then uh, Kirk knocks him down and lifts up a rock, picks up a rock, and is about ready to smash Gary Mitchell. And he says, please forgive me. And then Mitchell's eyes turn silver. And he says, the moment is fading and throws Kirk off of him. The fight continues for a minute. Mitchell gets knocked down into the grave. Kirk grabs the rifle, the phaser rifle, and shoots at the rocks overhead. And they tumble in killing and burying Gary Mitchell. But in this scene also, we see that this idea of you got to have a fight scene, you got to have some punching, you have to have some blood, you have to have a ripped shirt. We can <laughs> see that all those things happen in this scene, don't we? Exactly. And there is one thing I noticed is that Kirk really argues philosophically, not only with Denner, but also with uh, Mitchell and shows his intelligence. It is a bit cerebral, but he's not afraid to use his fists. And that's what I think that's what sold the network on the show. I 
I agree. I think it had a little bit of everything, a little sex appeal and some good old fashioned violence. And uh, we'll see moving forward that those things are just amplified, right? I mean, in this oh, yeah. episode, we see a little bit of fist fighting. We, we do see female characters in the show, but none of them have short skirts on. And so we're <laughs> going to see that idea of sexualization of female characters. We're going to see the kind of hyper masculine side of certainly Kirk. And that's what seems to propel the the show. Yeah, you can only imagine that the NBC executives sitting in a room watching this uh, said, you know what would make this show better (laughs) is if we had a bunch of women walking around in like mini dresses. Again, I'm sure that somebody said, this has got just about everything. All we need is women in short dresses. (laughs) That's that's basically what it came down to. And and when they thought about it, they said, this is the future. (laughs) You know, it's not the Wild West where women wore petticoats and stuff. You know, this is the future. People can wear whatever we want to wear. You know, we could have people walking around in a thong. Okay, so of all the characters in Star Trek in a thong, (laughs) I'm thinking... Spock probably could have carried it, right? He, could, he probably could have carried the thong. He'd be like, fascinating. The feel that I get while wearing a thong is interesting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's move beyond that. Denner dies as well. Uh, she Before she dies, she apologizes and says to Kirk, you can't know what it's like to almost be a god. Back on the Enterprise. Kirk puts uh, Denner and Mitchell in for commendations for dying in the line of duty. Add to official losses, Dr. Elizabeth Denner, yet noted she gave her life in performance of her duty. Lieutenant Commander Gary Mitchell, same notation. And he tells Spock it wasn't their fault that this uh, happened to them, especially with Mitchell. He says uh, he didn't ask for this. Spock comments that he felt for Mitchell too. He didn't ask for what happened to him. I felt for him too. I believe there's some hope for you after all, Mr. Spock. And that's how the show ends. We get a little bit of an idea what Spock is like, right? He's this alien being, half human. We understand that his and Kirk's relationship probably predates the episode, like friendship or some connection there. And we also, I think, learn that Spock is going to play this non-emotional, more intellectual role or kind of a foil to Kirk's impulsivity, his very human nature. Yeah, it's an excellent point. I think that's how they tried to set it up. The two of them were going to be interacting throughout and would be essential to the show. Not only essential, but the, I would say, the core relationship. As uh, McCoy came along, he added into that because he kind of has jibes with uh, Spock. They have conversations. So it becomes the three of them really are the core. Well, let's go back just a little bit to maybe the core dilemma I'd like to propose that it is what happens when humans think they can play God. And if you think about it, in the 1960s, maybe there wasn't a whole lot of science around genomes and the human sequencing of the human genome. But as you move into the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, we can see that humans are starting to play with the building blocks of nature 
including human nature. But it seems to me that this is really where the show was going. How do we deal with humans thinking that they're God? I think that's something that was a warning for, uh, for all of us going forward. We'll see this time and again where absolute power corrupts absolutely. And not a new concept, really. I mean, if you look at even going back to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, playing God is not a new concept at all. Oh, no. We'll see this time and time again in the uh, Star Trek universe. Let's talk about some other interesting trivia. So on the fifth day of filming of this episode, there were bees that attacked the set that both Shatner and Kellerman were occupying at the time, and they both got stung. And uh, we see that uh, Spock looks more like he did in the uh, original pilot. His uh, eyebrows are more like a V, not quite as bushy as they were in the first episode. His hair is now combed forward, where in the uh, pilot episode, he kind of had it pushed to one side. Yeah, that's right. And the other thing, too, is in this episode, he does a lot of yelling, not as unemotional as he will become. Do you have a favorite quote you want to uh, talk about? Kirk says when he's talking to Denner, says that God needs compassion. Uh, One of my favorite was uh, Mitchell says to Kirk, command and compassion is a fool's mixture. So really it begs the question, like as a leader, is it better to be loved or feared? What do you think? I've been a supervisor, manager. I've always found it was better if people at least liked me. I never expected them to uh, love me. I learned early on that those people that I feared as managers, I didn't want to do anything for them. If you're doing things because you really like your boss, I think that goes a lot further. You can get a lot more out of people by uh, getting them to be on your side. Hey, we need to talk about our dead crewman count. So we had nine just crossing the edge of the galaxy. Right. That's that's not a good place to be. To be if you're... Yeah. Kelso. So that's 10. And then we have, of course, Mitchell and Denner. Yep. So we have 12 this episode. Is that correct? That's what I've got. And we have a total of 16. That's in three episodes. So that's a little more than five, an average of five per episode. This is the most crewman that died in any episode. To be honest, is a little disappointing to me, Dana. (laughs) I'm a little disappointed that that's the case. There are several moments in this episode that kind of made me say, what the heck was that? One of the first ones was Kirk wanted the officer group on the bridge. And I mentioned this earlier, earlier as they, uh, as they left the galaxy. So he's got the doctor, he's got uh, Scotty, he's got the, and of course the doctor brought along uh, the psychiatrist and Sulu's there, but they're all standing together real close. Like they're, they're posing for a picture. It just was odd. This has been great talking about this episode. It's been a two-parter. We will be off next week for the 4th of July holiday, which I'm assuming in the future happens like Kirk talks about Thanksgiving in the future. I'll have to pay attention that I'm sure that they mention holidays. Because <laughs> uh, they do shore leave a couple times, and so maybe yep. somebody's celebrating 4th of July. Well, we got the we got Thanksgiving, right, in uh, uh, Charlie yeah. X. So the next episode we're going to do is The Naked Time. And interestingly, we get to see Hakaru Sulu without a shirt. Hmm. Yeah, so we've already seen Kirk without a shirt. Now we get to see Sulu without a shirt. I don't think we're going to ever see Yeoman Rand or Uhura without a shirt. Just my guess. All right, Dana. 
It's, it's been a great couple of episodes. As I mentioned, I, I continue to learn as I go forward with this, even uh, in our conversations, things uh, you bring up that I missed. And uh, hopefully I, I can add something to this that uh, you didn't see or you weren't thinking about. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks once again for joining us for part two of Where No Man Has Gone Before. We would love to hear from you. Please email us at dammitjimpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-A-M-N-I-T, Jim Podcast at gmail.com. Or join the discussion on Facebook or Twitter. Remember, next week we are off for the 4th of July holiday. In two weeks, join us for The Naked Time. For Dan and Dana, live long and prosper. Thank you.